Welcome back to TanakhCast. This is episode 205. We'll continue in the book of Job with a brief summary of chapters 24 through 27 and follow with some thoughts about the failure of polite discourse. In case you're just joining us, Iov is still suffering. He concluded the previous episode with an acknowledgement that the world is a vampire. And why is this the case? Eov tells us in the beginning of chapter 24, quote, Why are dire times not stored by Shaddai, and those who know him behold not his days? They set aside boundary stones, a flock they steal and pasture it, the orphan's donkey they drive off, they take in pawn the widow's ox. In other words, the wicked get away with everything. God seems to stand idly by and do nothing. In response, Eov lets loose a string of curses and imprecations. Quote, let the womb forget him. He is sweet to the worm. Let him no more be recalled, and let wickedness break like wood. Let his mate be barren and not give birth. Left a widow denied of good. Chapter 25 delivers Bildad's third speech, and it will be the last speech we hear from Eov's friends. And it's a short one. In five verses, without introduction or conclusion, Bildad says what we've all heard before countless times. Quote, How can man be right with God? How can he, born of woman, be clear? Why, the moon itself does not give light, and the stars are not clear in his sight. How much more man the maggot, and humankind the worm? For generations, scholars have puzzled over this final speech. It's less than a third of what we've come to expect from the friend's speeches. Is this yet another example of scribal copying error? Especially when verses 5 through 14 in chapter 26, commonly assigned to Eov, seem implausible coming out of his mouth. Why would Eov wax so rhapsodically about God? Indeed, chapter 26, and chapter 27 for that matter, aren't any less messed up. As we are building up to Eov's last protest of his innocence, we come across the opening, quote, And Job spoke up, and he said, How have you helped without power, rescued by an arm without strength? How have you counseled without wisdom and abundantly preferred advice? To whom have you told words, and whose breath has come out of you? What comes after in the traditional text does not sound like it came out of Eov's mouth. And then, when we look ahead to chapter 27, which begins with, quote, And Job again took up his theme, and he said, dot, dot, dot. It seems to be wrapping up the debate and beginning a new section of the book, the part where Eov maintains his innocence through the end of chapter 31, which then makes verses 8 through 23 of chapter 27 wildly out of place. Why would someone who still claims not to have done anything wrong go on about how God punishes the wicked? So if you read chapter 27 and insert the line, and so far the Namatites spoke up and said, in between verses 7 and 8, the chapter makes some semblance of sense, with Eov beginning the chapter clinging to innocence, quote, By God who denied me justice and by Shaddai who embittered my life, as long as my breath is within me and God's spirit in my nostrils, my lips will never speak evil, nor my tongue ever utter deceit. Followed by Sofar, who blathers on about how the wicked man will eventually get what he deserves directly from the hand of God. Quote, he will build his house like the moth, like a shack that a watchman puts up. Rich, he lies down, it's not taken away. He opens up his eyes and it's gone. Terror will take him like water. 
By night, the storm snatches him up. The east wind bears him off, and he's gone. It sweeps him away from his place. Even with the mangled chapters we've read in this week's episode, one takeaway emerges from this scribal mess. Sometimes words are just a waste of time. Whatever has been said need not be said again. Either you get it or you don't. And from Bildad's closing remarks, at least in the traditional text, enough is enough. Quote, Dominion and fear are with him. Who makes peace in his heights? Get it? I guess. And it's been a topic of much consideration in past episodes of Tanakhcast. What happens when words fail? When all you're doing is talking around and around the point, your friends asserting statements of principle based on logical fallacy, you countering with pleas for understanding and empathy, and they simply repeating themselves, each time louder and more angrily, it gets to a point where you wonder, what's the point of continuing to talk? But we've all learned, as far back as kindergarten, that we use our words, not our hands, right? And generally, it's a maxim that has served us in good stead throughout our lives. We have experienced firsthand the benefits of using our words. We have also experienced the consequences of using our hands. Words, good. Hands, bad. Right? But what if words don't lead to anything good? What if words lead to nothing? What if, just the opposite, words lead to bad? Now, I'm not saying that what Eov's friends are doing here is hate speech or incitement to violence, but when a person is as down as Eov is, having lost everything, including ten children, and, and you persist in shaming and provoking him, could you say that at some point your words have crossed a line between mere mouth sounds and something harmful, and that, with words failing to stand the harmful tide of verbiage, some other measure might be taken to get those words to stop. And I'm sure you're thinking, Eov can put a stop to his friend's harmful words anytime he wants. He could just get up and leave. I mean, that's a bit much, putting the work on the one being harmed here uh, to stop the harm. But okay, but could you get mad at Eov if, say, he decided to... One of these days, Alice! Bang! Zoom! Straight to the moon. And yes, we've said it a thousand times and we'll still stick to that. Words good, hands bad. But what is it about violence that makes it bad, besides the consequences? And we're not talking about wreaking violence on the innocent. We're talking about someone who really deserves a good smack. Someone who took candy from a baby. Someone who kicked a puppy. Someone who said that Chicago-style pizza was a casserole. Or someone who publicly defended white supremacy. Pepe's become kind of a symbol. There's a lot to unpack in answering these questions or considering what to do about this person, but I guess, inevitably, it always settles on, is it okay to punch a Nazi? And let's be clear, we're not talking about wars and conflicts between governments in this instance. We're talking about interpersonal violence. You're walking down the street, you hear Richard Spencer being interviewed, he spouts some kind of nonsense. Do you go over and punch him in the head? And when we consider violence on that level, we often get into explanations and rationalizations which tend to focus on some kind of breakdown. It happened because of a lack of self-control. 
or the dehumanization of an outgroup, or perhaps sadistic psychological tendencies. Except the thing is that, if you think about it, most violence is not motivated by a breakdown, but by an urge to build up. In other words, most violence is motivated by morality. It feels like the right thing to do. Because if violence was only about my desire to inflict harm on you, then the threat of punishment would be a solid deterrent. I would do the calculation, harm on you versus harm on me, and most likely decide that it's probably not worth it. Except that as I'm saying this, you're thinking, come on, don't be ridiculous. People are still going to do violence, and, and you're right. Sure, lack of self-control, dehumanization, and sadism are triggers, but not the only ones, just the most powerful ones. Indeed, if you think about it, morality, the rules that keep civilization functioning smoothly, dictates nonviolence because if we indulged in violence all the time, no one could get anything done. However, sometimes the same set of rules that keep us using words, not hands, actually encourages us to use hands. Consider corporal punishment. The parent who spanks their child is not doing so generally because they're fond of violence. As you've often heard parents say in this context, This is gonna hurt me a lot more than it's gonna hurt you, Nick. And if you ask them about the spanking, they'd say they were doing the right thing, as hard as it seemed in the moment. And yes, the counter-argument here is obvious. The victim of spanking, as naughty as they might have been, does not deserve to be the target of physical attack. But what about a Nazi? And how far do you want to go with that line of questioning? If a moral system justifies awful acts consistently, can it really be a basis for moral deliberation? Now, Antifa protesters would say that punching Nazis is a strategy designed explicitly to deal with fascism, not just any political view you disagree with. Neo-Nazi, fascist, and racist views, they would say, are so extreme that they justify extreme tactics. If Richard Spencer and his Nazi pals aren't completely deplatformed, they could gain legitimacy and take advantage of liberal ideas like free speech to ironically promote their very illiberal message. And their messages are not these harmless, racist homilies. They're advocating for a set of policies that are predicated on violence against people of color and Jews. And it's rather outrageous for folks to expect that people of color, Jewish people of color, and garden-variety Jews should respond calmly, nicely, and politely to calls for their violent removal, or to behave respectably in the face of violent verbal or physical attack. Sometimes, when words fail, the only appropriate thing for a person to do is... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event! Fortunately for it so far, Iov is not that kind of person. But after all that Iov has been through, you couldn't fault him if he was. about Tanakhcast. Tell a friend about Tanakhcast over coffee. Send another friend an email or text, nothing fancy. Help your aunt who just got her first smartphone to download a podcatcher and subscribe to Tanakhcast. And if you have a spare moment after all that, write a brief glowing review at Apple Podcasts. Apparently it helps people who might be interested in a little Bible learning vibe this podcast. 
and it's also a nice thing to do. If you want to help in an even bigger way, support us at Patreon. Just search for TanakhCast at Patreon.com and pledge your shekels either on a one-time or monthly basis and receive special blessings from the Most High. I thank you in advance for that and encourage you to join us again in two weeks for... Episode 206, when we continue in the Book of Job with chapters 28 through 31.